0: Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Tom Breeze, and we're going to explore how to create YouTube ads that convert. Trust me, even if you don't want to create YouTube ads, you are going to love, love, love this episode. Stick with me. By the way, you can reach me on Instagram at Stelsner or email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And also, if you're new to this podcast, I have an incredible lineup coming your way. Hit that subscribe button. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. All right, let's transition over to this week's interview with Tom Breeze. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Tom Breeze. If you don't know who Tom is, you need to know who he is. He's a YouTube ads expert and CEO of Viewability, a YouTube ads agency that helps direct response B2C companies scale their businesses. He's also founder of the Ad Buyers Club, a done-with-you model designed to help marketers succeed with YouTube ads. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. Today, Tom and I will explore how to create YouTube ads that convert. Now, Tom, a lot of people listening to the show are hardcore Facebook people. (laughs) Most of them have done Facebook ads. And my guess is a lot of them have not really explored YouTube advertising very much because we haven't really covered a lot on this show. So, for those that are maybe not yet using YouTube ads or who have had limited success with YouTube video ads, what do you want to say? What do they need to know? Why should we be focusing on YouTube video ads? That's a great question.
1: And, do you know, I've been doing this for eight years now, and I think my answer has been pretty much the same thing. And then over the last year, things have changed a lot more. So for years, I've been saying "Look, there's this blue ocean over here. No one's exploring YouTube. And I was doing YouTube before Facebook was even a thing (laughs) to advertise on. Um, So I was like advertising on YouTube. And for me, it's always felt like if you can work out how to advertise on the platform, it's a brilliant platform to be on because you get so many hidden benefits from actually advertising on the platform. Yes, you can get great cost per acquisition. You can get customers and clients in consistently, reliably, and at great cost. There is a bit more of a tackling process to YouTube. It's not as simple and straightforward as Facebook. But once you know what you're doing and how to do it, you can really open up YouTube. But I think that over the last year, my conversation around this has shifted a little bit because I think that the, I think a lot of people are starting to experience a bit more uncertainty around facebook i think for years it's been that platform where you just know you can just go there you find your audiences you rely on some lookalike audiences perhaps and you just build and grow your facebook ads but more recently people are getting accounts banned they're getting their kind of ad fatigue is setting in really quickly people find there's like glitches in the system every now and again and not to say that youtube's completely doesn't experience that. It does have a few technical things with it, but you tend to find you have a much smoother ride with YouTube and it's a different platform. It's a different way of thinking about advertising on the platform, but once you unlock it, it's huge. It can rival, it can do bigger things than Facebook often. And it's just this platform that's sitting there and so few people are taking advantage of it, which is a bit of a shame really.
0: Well, we're recording this in November of 2020 and I'm imagining You know, we're still dealing with COVID, right? Someday in the future, hopefully that'll be over with, but we're still dealing with the fact that people are stuck at home. They're not going anywhere. Kids aren't going to school as often. So I would imagine video consumption on YouTube has got to be at an all-time high. I mean, there's another opportunity, right? I mean, have you heard any stats about that at all?
1: I haven't heard any like publicly printed stats, so to speak, around it per se, but I know from advertising across multiple different industries and seeing like the cost of advertising, especially in the early part of this year. So let's say April, May sort of time, the cost of advertising dropped heavily and there were far more people on the platform. So you had this like double bubble type scenario where the cost really reduced, the number of people kind of increased um, who were consuming it because maybe they're being furloughed or they weren't working or that type of thing. And uh, at least working from home. And more recently with the election, that's kind of made some of those CPMs jump up a little bit. But what I would say is that there's just a huge audience on YouTube already. But I think that the fastest growing audience on YouTube has been the older demographic of like 45, 55, 65 plus. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot of that growth recently from advertising as well. Like when I first started, it was considered the young person's platform. And now it's kind of a platform for everybody. It's almost like where the world goes to watch video you would go to youtube to find a video um if you're online and that's the beauty of this platform is that everyone is very familiar with advertising on that platform and, and it's kind of like tv in you know, a in a weird way like people perceive advertisers as if you saw like a tv ad for example you saw the advertiser on tv you make these mental shortcuts where you think okay well if someone's advertising there they must be good Like they must be doing pretty well. Their products must be pretty good. You're you're borrowing that, um, that shortcut that people have when people, when you advertise on YouTube, like if you're advertising on YouTube, you kind of get classed in the same way. People think this is a business that must be going places and doing great things because wow, if you're advertising on YouTube, that's kind of like the online TV, so you must be pretty good. Now (laughs) you can advertise with $5 a day as your budget and still have that impact on people. So it's a great branding tool that goes alongside the direct response activity. Like I'm very focused on putting $1 into the machine and getting more than $1 out as quickly as possible and scaling that process up. But when you advertise on YouTube, you're gonna find that you have all these benefits. Like people get to see and know who you are as a brand. You find that all the other advertising avenues that you might be exploring can lift in performance as well. So it's, there's like these direct Kind of idea that's saying advertise on YouTube because it's great and you can get some great profit and scale, but it also has this hidden indirect benefit where everything else starts pe- performing a little better because you've got this brand impact happening as well
0: well and I can say confidently that YouTube is the only platform that rivals Facebook as far as pure size and magnitude i mean it's it's up there as far as a billion users and you think about the average session duration on the platform. I've heard figures of like 30 minutes in the past. I'm sure it's even more now. So if you think about the fact that you've got everybody now on that platform, that means you've got actually more inventory available, right? Where it's just quite the opposite on Facebook, right? Like Facebook has limited inventory because of the way that they advertise where YouTube can put an ad in front of every single video that chooses to monetize, which is probably most of them. And and I do think it's a really incredible opportunity, which is why I wanted to bring you on. So what I would love to to explore with you uh, first really is what are the different types of video ads that marketers ought to consider? Maybe break it down for us.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So the, the two main ads that when you advertise on YouTube that you're going to want to explore are in-stream ads, which a a lot of people call a pre-roll ad. So you're about to watch a video on YouTube, you press play on the thumbnail, it loads up, but then before you get to watch that video, an ad appears. And that's, people call it a pre-roll ad. It's that ad that kind of starts up and you have five seconds before you're allowed to press the skip ad button. And so those are kind of the skippable in-stream ads. Uh, That's what they're called. You also find that you do get other formats. So you have things like bumper ads, which are like six seconds long, although those are being phased out. And then you have things like unskippable ads, which are normally about 20 seconds long where you have to sit through the ad. But those aren't quite so popular as they once were. And people are really adopting the in-stream ad. You also have a different type of ad, which is called a discovery ad. And the discovery ad on YouTube are the ones where... You might search a keyword or you might be looking for videos and then in the search results when you get to that page we see all the videos listed for your results there may be a couple that are sponsored and those are called discovery ads or perhaps if you're watching a video and on the right hand side of like your view page so to speak when you're watching the video the right hand side there are a load of other videos that are being promoted to you um, some of those are paid as well. So they're kind of sponsored ads as well. You can appear there. And two very, very different ads because the in-stream you're kind of interrupting somebody. The financial model with those ads, with the in-stream ads is that you pay when someone clicks to your website or when someone watches past 30 seconds. And if you have an ad that's less than 30 seconds, you pay when someone gets to the end of the video. But on the whole, you're really paying for that engagement um, should someone decide to watch your video or click your video compare that to discovery ads, there's ones which like your thumbnail of your video can appear at the top of the search results on the right hand side. You pay when someone clicks to play your video and then your video will open up in a new kind of like it would do a normal video, so to speak. So you're kind of amplifying some videos there. And it is a different setup because when you know that you're interrupting someone versus someone's choosing to watch your video based on your thumbnail and your title, you probably realize that you can share different types of content like with the in-stream, you want to be a little bit more direct response getting the click with the discovery ad you may be more happy kind of giving really good content and value to people and then approaching the call to action with a bit more like hey i've got more of this great stuff if you want it and that tends to be the best format for those types of ads but really if you're getting started with youtube um i would really recommend mastering the in-stream ad because that's where you can get really good profit if you know what you're doing and uh, really good scale because there's so much inventory there because you're not fighting with other people like you're saying just a second ago for that space that real estate you're now if you're using in stream as you're just interrupting the ad the videos that people are already watching and those videos are increasing every single day so youtube's getting bigger every single day whereas somewhere like facebook you've got one newsfeed per user and you're all fighting to be in that newsfeed. Um, So it's a great ad. The in-stream ad is a great ad to try and master first, I think, because it's if you get that one working, then you're in a great position to keep on growing and scaling your accounts.
0: Quick question on the discovery ad. You mentioned it shows up in search trying to think, does it show up on desktop off on the right side or does it show up underneath like with Google search? You know how the ads sometimes show right below the results and sometimes they show off to the right Is it the same with YouTube? If I'm YouTubing a certain phrase, does it show up right below the results, right there with the non-ads and you can't really tell the difference or is it obvious that it's an ad?
1: Okay, so on a desktop, it's pretty obvious it's an ad. On a mobile, less obvious um, because the mobile experience is more that that you've got the first third of your screen typically would be the video you're about to watch. So a discovery ad is going to be like you scroll down a little bit and then you see the ad there. On a desktop device, you're going to see the video ad in the search results there. And on the right-hand side, you see a little yellow button, I think it is, that says ad. Got it. So, um, or maybe it says sponsored or something. I can't remember exactly what it says now.
0: So, one of the questions I've got is, if we have a, let's just imagine someone listening has a YouTube channel that's doing pretty okay. And there's a video on that channel that's really crushing it. Can they turn that, that into an ad and have it be a discovery ad?
1: yeah that's a really good strategy so i would say that if you've got a really good video that people you know that people watch it they love it and they come and do business with you as a result of that's a video then it's a great way of getting in front of more people and you can figure out what keywords might work best or what type of audiences might work best but the one really good thing about that is that then that video that is currently doing well inside your channel and you and you know it's working well for you, you start to amplify it. And then you can often find that that video then gets more organic reach as well. Because as it gets more watch time added to it all the time, you're going to find that people are receiving it and they might like it, share it, comment on it. It's got much more activity and you'll find it can rank for some amazing keywords or just get naturally more exposure by being in the related videos on the right hand side. But that's kind of just the organic not the like the non-paid exposure so you can kind of we've done that a few times with clients where we kind of kick start some new content they might be putting out so we kind of release it as a discovery ad let it get to like ten thousand views or so and then once you've got that then you can if you want to you can pair back on the advertising and then let the organic life of that video just continue on uh, which can be a great strategy
0: have you ever found if you put an ad if you turn a video into an ad does it better to give it a little time Like some people are probably wondering, all right, should I, every time I release a video on my channel, should I put some money behind it and make it into an ad or should I let it go organic for about a week or two before I think about putting it into an ad? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm not the organic guy really, but I mean, one thing to consider is that when you release a video, if you've got a large subscriber base or you've got a large email database that you're going to send traffic to. You want to let that be the first activity. The reason being is because your audience, who know you already, and your subscribers are likely to watch the video with a long duration. Right. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna hang around. They're gonna like. They're gonna comment if you ask them to. They're your fans already. So you're gonna get great stats added to that video. And then that's kind of what YouTube are looking for. If you're to run to cold traffic, and you're to put an ad in front of people, um, but it's that content. The same content but just amplified with, as an ad when you do that you're going to find that a lot of people click the video and then watch maybe the first few seconds and then think oh this is actually really for me so what i would say is that if you know you're targeting really well and you know what type of targeting gets a really good viewer then yeah bring it in early because you can ramp up that videos activity in the early days but if you don't know just yet i probably wouldn't recommend that as a first wave of activity for that new video i'll probably say once it starts dying down and you it, the views counts are like much less than they would be on the first few days then maybe start promoting it as an ad just let that good data go through first and then later add the add, add it as an ad because you're gonna get less quality data It's is more would be view counts and watch duration will be different and it will impact the video differently
0: so going back to in-stream ad in-stream ad is the skippable ad that shows up before a video and the discovery ad is something that shows up traditionally in search, can they be the same exact ad? Because I don't want to have misled people to make them think discovery ads have to be like full-scale videos. Can you use a similar kind of model of a good ad for an in-stream ad versus a discovery ad, or is the methodology totally different?
1: I wouldn't say totally different. I probably would write a different video for a discovery ad than I would do an in-stream ad. We don't do a huge amount of discovery adverts, when we first get started with clients, we like to use them for remarketing activities. So people have watched our first video or been to our website. We love to kind of run discovery ads because they're very cheap and you get your thumbnail everywhere. So they keep on seeing your brand everywhere and it can be a good impact for that.
0: Uh, so what I'm hearing you say is that whatever they search for, they could still see your discovery ad if you're remarketing to them. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's a great strategy, that one. I love doing that. Wow if you kind of have a marker where you say, right, if someone does this, if they watch one of our videos and like it or share it or comment on it, and this could be any of your organic videos, or it could be your subscribers or people that visit your site or get your checkout page, whatever remarketing list you want to build, you can then say, right, that list there, I want to make sure anytime they come to YouTube, they see my thumbnail of my video everywhere. Now you can choose to put whatever, content you want in front of people so if they've been to your checkout page maybe you'll show them testimonial videos of really happy customers perhaps or if they've just been to one of your registration page and didn't sign up for example so it's a slightly colder audience then you might think well what sort of content do i want to put in front of those people maybe more an opportunity-based video would work best but i would still have whatever that brand is about i'd have make, make sure that it's like the logo or the face in the video So uh, there's a familiarity with that video. So you just keep, people just keep on seeing your face or your logo or your brand everywhere, basically. Perfect. That's a really great great strategy.
0: All right, excellent. Well, this has been good setup for what we're gonna talk about next, which is the elements of a good ad or the ingredients, if you will. So let's talk about at a macro level, what goes into a good ad? And let's just presuppose we're talking about in-stream ads because that's the thing that you recommend most people focus on, right?
1: I think it's the ad that's most exciting, put it that way. I mean, I I don't want to say rule out discovery. You can definitely do discovery ads for sure. And it's a great strategy. It's just that I like to scale things that work pretty quick. (laughs) So uh, I suppose it's my greedy aspect of me. But I mean, in terms of creating a really, really good ad, we've been doing it for, what, eight years now, just purely YouTube ads. So we know how other ad platforms work. We're familiar with them, but we don't play in those spaces for our clients. We just stick with YouTube ads. And so we've had like a a pure focus on the platform for that amount of time. And over the last year or so, I kind of started challenging myself to think, well, what are we actually doing with an ad? Like deep down, what's the plan here? What's actually going to work and what, why does it work? Like what elements do you need to have in a video? And so I kind of went back to my psychology days, I did psychology at university and did a master's. And then I studied a lot about like neuromarketing and uh, behavioral economics and things like this. And so I went back and thought, let's, let's start almost like a first principles type methodology to say, let's go back to the very basics. And what are we trying to do here? And really what we're trying to do is say, based on the audience you can find like if you can target them based on keywords or the videos they're watching or types of interest-based audiences, whoever it might be, what we're looking to do is say we're going to be interrupting them with an ad and we've got to say things or show things or have an experience for somebody at that point that makes them feel like they want to make a decision to come to our website and continue the journey and that was like the the kind of real macro pretty obvious thing to say I, I agree but it's a we've got to make people make a decision and then I was like right okay well we'll how do people make decisions? What actually goes into the psychology of someone making a decision? And that's when the things got really interesting for me because immediately as I kind of went back, I realized that all decision-making really is not made by the kind of conscious part of your brain. So when we look at the, any mind, so to speak, if you look at it as a model, you've got kind of the unconscious part of your mind and you've got the conscious part of your mind, which is very simplistic, but people can, it's easy to understand in this way so you have your conscious part of your mind that's very logical and it can think if you had a maths problem then you'd be thinking through consciously to get to the answer you have to put effort in and you can hold about seven plus or minus two things at any one time in your conscious brain so somewhat limited and it wor- has to work and use energy but it thinks in that way very logical and um, underneath all of that though is like our, our unconscious mind not quite so easy to access and understand quite so easily but it's where all of our emotions are, our identity, um, our experiences, our memories, everything—kind of who makes up who we are—but we it's not very tangible. It's not under, like we don't really understand it fully ourselves. And we know that all decision making starts down there, starts in our unconscious mind. We we kind of we choose, we want something based on our desires. Like we all have these desires within us. Like for me, when I know one of my desires is adventure. I love adventure in any which way. And as soon as something is promoted to me in such a way where the product feels like it will get, take me on adventure, it's almost like my unconscious mind wants it. First of all, like I crave it immediately. I'm like, I don't know what it even is the product just yet. I don't even know any of the features or anything, but I know that I want it. <laughs> and that's what we've got to do first. As an advertiser, we've got to make sure that we engage people's unconscious minds first and you do that by really understanding what your customers deep down desires are by understand what drives them first and tap into that whatever your product is and once you've got that they're going to be activated they're going to be like okay cool they're in they're ready to listen to what it is that you have to say because you have tapped into their deep desire and then once you've got that the conscious brain kicks in at that point because it's almost like okay cool the unconscious mind wants something, but now logic has to come into play and work out how we're going to get it. And also, does it fit with who we are? And like, will it be a good logical decision as well? And so your conscious brain starts looking for evidence, it starts looking for information that can basically justify and support the decision that the unconscious brain has already made. And so then what you're looking to do is tap into the values of your customers to say, well, what's important to them and what will make them feel like, okay, cool. I'm making a good decision logically. Like, so if I was to go and buy a car, the chances are I see a car advert and a car's like taking me on an adventure and it's going off-roading and then it pulls up to like a, a secluded beach where the driver goes surfing. I'm like, okay, cool. My unconscious brain is in, like, I want that. That's a craving, like information to me. That's like, as soon as I see that, my unconscious brain is like, yeah, we want an adventure. I want that. So immediately I kind of crave that four by four car. And then my logic brain will start kicking in to say like, okay, well, how do we go about getting that car? And I can't just, I mean, it's not good for my identity and my status. If I just say to people constantly, I'm going to go and buy that car just because I want it. (laughs) It's like not a great place to be. So we have to make our minds up and almost make, like um logical justifications as to why we want the car and we start lying to ourselves i'll say things like well i want it because it's got great mileage and it's got it's really really safe now those things might be important to me of course but it's not why i'm making the decision that i want the car in the first place it's giving me an excuse as to kind of why i can tell other people that i want that car which is crazy i know but when you think through any decision you make And you realize that if you go through any major decision that you've made, your kind of unconscious mind wants it. Your conscious brain makes logical decisions as to why you can justify having that decision and why you're going to make that decision. And so that kind of, as a psychology process and understanding customers, I was like, yeah, that makes complete sense. But no one's ever translated that through to video and ads. And so I was kind of like stuck at that point. I was like, well, how do I then take that information and make really good ads with it. And I kind of went to the movies world and tried to understand like how movies are made to understand how people get really into movies. Because sometimes you watch a movie and you're just emotionally wrapped up and you know why, because it's been it's a beautiful story and it's the emotion of the music and everything that goes with it has drawn you in. And so I was thinking, well, what is it about that that makes it so powerful? And it's rarely the script like the script is important because it carries the story, but you're not really, I can never say to you, oh, do you remember the Shawshank Redemption? That's a great film. Do you remember exactly the words that were said? You might remember a couple of bits, but you're going to remember the visuals and the, the music that dragged you along. And that's the thing that kind of makes it an emotional experience. And that's what we're t- trying to tap into from the first part of the video. We're looking to grab their unconscious brain and get them wanting what it is. And so if it's an emotional decision and we've got to tap into that deep desire, that's going to be the first part of the video. And that's what we do in act one. So we break these videos down into three acts. And act one is all about engaging the unconscious brain, making you crave and want what it is you're talking about. And then act two is about making sure that you kind of satiate the conscious brain to say, hey, we've got the values straight with you as well you're going to love this because of the way we do things the things we stand for like you're going to feel comfortable justifying this decision that you want to make and then act three is about building tension to make people act basically and and take the call to action so then that's how we do it we now we create these ads and that we've seen such a big uplift in the performance of our ads by understanding that act one is all about unconscious mind act two is all about conscious mind and act three is about calling to action using tension
0: let me try to take a stab at summarizing this. So act one is to engage the unconscious mind, which is to play to the emotions, identity, experiences, and memories, and the deep desires of the person that you want to be in front of, in your case, adventure, right? So showing off something that stirs that desire for adventure. Act two satisfies the conscious mind which is the logical side of your brain that's saying, hold on a second, how are we gonna pay for that, right? Is that smart? (laughs) Is that safe, right? And that's where evidence and information is valuable and providing what that side of the brain thinks is important, logical justification, that is act two. And act three is to build some sort of attention to force people to act. Am I close? Is that a good summary?
1: That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, that's exactly what you do.
0: So what I would love to do is, let me back, how much time do we allocate? If we've only got like 30 seconds, I mean, you know, how much time are we allocating to each act? Let's start there.
1: Okay, yeah. So I should probably say that the in-stream ads can be any length you want them to be. They don't need to be 30 seconds. You just pay when someone watches past 30 seconds.
0: Okay, well, how long is your typical ad then?
1: Good question. The optimal time length is about two minutes 20, we found, like in a bell curve of performance. But, I mean, we've seen ads that have worked really well that are 15 seconds and some that are 45 minutes.
0: Ah, okay. Well, let's just assume two minute and 20 seconds is optimal. How much time are we allocating to each act in that context?
1: Yeah, good question. So normally it's gonna be, the act two is normally a little bit longer. And so and act three can be a little bit longer. So I'd normally break it down to be like, almost probably around about 30% of the time would be allocated to act one, 50% to act two and then 20% to act three as a very rough rule of thumb.
0: Okay, perfect. So now that we have that context and a two minute ad, you're talking about like the first minute approximately, is that right? Uh, with 20, 20, 30, 30 or 40 seconds or something like that, d- dedicated to act one. So what are we doing exactly in act one?
1: Yes. Great questions. So the breakthrough we had when we did, when I was going through like all the neuroscience and things, I was like, the script doesn't matter as much as I thought it would. Mm. So like trying to be a copywriter and and take an approach of let's write a script first is actually not the strategy we wanna take. We wanna take a strategy of like, what's the storyboard first? Like what are the visuals and what's the, almost the music that's gonna be happening or the sound effects and things. And if we get the storyboard first, the script kind of falls into place. So I'll, I'll talk about both, but the storyboard for act one, the way we choose what the visuals need to be is we start with the offer. Okay, so whatever it is we're promoting. And then what we've got to think about is the benefit of that offer. So we say, right, what's what's going to be the um, the result for the client? What's that kind of quantifiable end result? Should they take you up on that offer?
0: You want to take an example of a product maybe or a customer so we can visualize it while you're talking?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, test me. Let's go that way. <laughs> so um, think of a product that you can think of and I'll kind of, we'll go through it together.
0: Okay. You may as well stick with cars because you were using cars. So let's just assume that you're trying to sell a car. Okay,
1: cool. Well, if you think of any other ideas as well, I'm more than happy to kind of play around with it.
0: All right. Well, you know what? Now everybody knows the car and the car driving around the twisty roads. All right. Let's try something different. Let's take something like, actually, let's take something a little more challenging, which is knowledge. Okay. Let's just say that you are selling something that will transform someone if they learn how to do X, Right. So let's mm-hmm. say that you're selling professional development training. Let's go there. Okay.
1: Professional development training. Okay, cool. Nice broad topic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's go deeper. And let's say you're selling marketing training. Okay. So you're teaching people how to become better marketers.
1: Okay. Well, now I feel like I'm cheating because that's what I actually do. So, <laughs> But uh,
0: that's fine. I know. Well, I wanted to pick something that's easy for you and also for our audience to wrap their head around. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay. Okay, cool. So and this can get a little abstract, by the way. So yep. as we go through it, it's... You might take a little bit of time to kind of get concrete with this. But right. we start with the offer and we say, what's the thing we're asking people to do on the ad? So it's not the offer of like your product just yet. If it's going to be marketing information, you may be sending people to a webinar, let's say, first of all. And you say, right, well, what's the offer of the webinar? Like what's the promise of the of the webinar? Like if you join this webinar, what will you get? Like, and it's going to be the benefit. So not necessarily the features and the information. It's more a case of like if you're going to give people a roadmap to success with their marketing. What does that mean okay it's going to probably mean more customers and more scale potentially or kind of more customers at a profitable price let's say and uh, so that'd be like the benefit and then we look to do two things from that benefit one is to understand the desire we talked about previously and one is to understand the identity that benefit will give them okay so if we start with the desire that's kind of one of the things that is most important to tap into and We've got to think about what's the desire of someone who wants to become a really good marketer. Now, I kind of feel like I can tap into that, which might be a marketer is looking to like a deep desire is like probably a little bit of certainty, a little bit of like a kind of level of confidence in themselves and probably a level of recognition. A lot of times, like I see a lot of marketers want to be perceived as doing a great job. I want to get like that really positive feedback and recognition for the work they're doing, but we'll probably also want certainty. And especially if like they're seeing a rocky time with their Facebook ads, for example, they're probably thinking, oh, do you know what? I, I wish I could just land on something that will give me confidence again um, in what I'm doing. And um, so you might play into that and say, right, what is that desire? And this is where it gets a little bit abstract and it's not always, it's not always a word for it. But I would say that for a marketing product and you're giving people kind of skills, they can get more customers, their desire is like certainty and recognition perhaps. And then if you look at their identity around that benefit as well, it's like, well, who do they become? Who will they transform into? So like for us, we run Ad Buyers Club, for example, and we show them how they're gonna become an ad buying pro. Now that's an identity you can achieve as a result of that benefit, like, here's who you will become. Now, you kind of get to define that yourself. Sometimes it's like in your brand, like you say, some people become this type of person. But you want to be clear with that. And so people know that, like, oh, I'm going to get to transform into that type of person. And that's a really key thing. You
0: could become the person everybody looks to when they want to understand how to do X, right? Or you could be the uh, local in-house expert on Y, right? Something along those lines, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you could become, if you mix like desire and identity up there, you could probably suddenly you can become a speaker at these conferences, Mm. like Because that's recognition from your desire. And also it's identity or it's like you've gone from, you've gone from where you are right now to be like the person standing on stage teaching. Um, And so it kind of feels good there. And so that would be like almost you're engaging unconsciously like, oh, wow, that's kind of what I want deep down. Obviously, speaking on stage and things can fill people with anxiety and things like that as well. So you've got to be careful with it. But you start to kind of appreciate, like, where you're going with this. And then when they become that person, that new identity, they're probably going to adopt certain types of behaviors. So you can kind of think through, like... They may join a certain status group so let's say if they became a speaker, for example, as soon as you become like a a marketing speaker, you get to rub shoulders with other speakers and you get kind of that elevated status perhaps in other people's eyes and you may start doing things that would be different than if you weren't a speaker. you might be going to exclusive dinners or <laughs> i don't know whatever it might be for people but you're going you're going to start to adopting you start adopting certain behaviors because you are of that status group there and Those are the elements I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about act one. So I'm thinking, all right, what's the offer? What's the benefit of that offer? What's the desire we're creating for somebody? What's the identity we're gonna give to somebody? And what's the new behaviors they're gonna generate uh, or start having as a result of being this new person? And then what I'm hoping to do is find some sort of setting or scene where we can say visually, immediately, if a marketer sees the start of the video, they're gonna think, wow, I want to be that person doing that thing and feeling that emotion. So if we were to think of those three things, the person is the identity, the thing they're doing is like the behavior or the activity they're doing and feeling a certain type of emotion, So, which might be recognition in this case. So this might be perfect to say, hey, if you want to be a, a speaker on stage and getting recognized like with a standing ovation and being people saying, oh man, great job or whatever it is, like the start of the video, you've kind of wrapped up. Act one immediately by showing that to people because they're like, oh, deep down, emotionally, I kind of crave that doesn't have to be a speaker. It could be someone giving a a presentation to their team or their company and getting real recognition from the boss, for example. It could be anything. But it's like, right, we've got recognition, we've got them doing something, um, which is a behavior that only this new identity of person would be doing and they want to kind of be that person. And once we got that, we're kind of like, great, we know what that scene needs to be. And of course, you can create multiple scenes where the same thing still applies, but you can kind of start wrapping together the storyboard for the first act.
0: Yeah, quick question. Where are you going to find clips to support this? I mean, are there like open source video searchable libraries that you can find hopefully little snippets of video that maybe convey this or are you thinking mostly photography with like ken burns effect stuff going on or what exactly how do we actually compose something like that
1: yeah well i mean we have chosen a particularly difficult one there yeah. so kind of like gets so because you've got an end be on stage and you've right. got to right. kind of carry on with the video and things so that might be you get to a limit of like what is possible perhaps right. but you could definitely have a if you did it in a meeting scenario for example you could definitely be the presenter a kind of finishing up a meeting right the boss comes over says great job yep um, and everyone leaves the meeting room the camera's left with you and then you start speaking to camera right for example so you can kind of set the scene to kind of position that cool and you can kind of get actors to do these sorts of things as well
0: yeah you were going to give a quick example before we go on to act two did you want to give that example or no
1: yeah, exactly. So, um, we have um, a client that's just started, um, with us. We haven't even started running their ads, but we're kind of truly inspired by their ad because, so she does a similar thing and, um, she's, her name's Carmen Mor- Moran and she's a pianist and she uh, teaches people how to play piano and she's just phenomenal. Like, I don't know how to pick her up, but like, she's top of the top, like Steinway Hall of Fame type thing. So amazing. And, um, I was chatting with her talking about like, what's the desire of your customer? Like where they want to be with their piano playing. They're like, and she was like, Oh, do you know what they want to do? They want to be in that state of flow when they play the piano. So they just have complete freedom and creativity just oozing out of them. They just lose themselves in the piano. I was like, ah, okay, cool. So freedom and creativity. Cool. Got it. Then we're like, who do they become? They become this pro pianist who just doesn't have to think when they sit down. It's all unconscious. It's like, just they can just do the piano. And so we, we thought, well, what would the setting be for that? And, What we managed to get is we thought about putting a piano on a beach and her playing the piano on the beach with the waves, lapping and things. We thought that just emulates freedom and creativity and she just loses herself in the piano for the first five seconds of the ad. That wasn't possible, unfortunately. So what we did instead, she would manage to take the piano to the bottom of the mountains. And she she had this like Steinway piano. It's amazing. The footage we've got with like drone footage flying over. And it's got like, these beautiful hills with all the evergreen trees. And then it's got like, a mountain, a snow peaked mountaintop in the background. And as soon as you see the piano just sitting there, and then she, then she walks across to it and sits down and starts playing. The first second of it, before you see anything else, is just the piano in this wilderness. It makes you think if you're a pianist and you like playing piano, you're like, I would pay a lot of money just to sit down and play on that piano all day long. Like it's just like you couldn't just imagine anything better than it's by the lake and it's got all these trees and the mountain tops behind. And you just think to yourself, that just gives you that feeling of complete freedom and creativity. And that's what we're trying to draw out from people emotionally from the act one. So it just grabs their attention, but in the way that like you're activating the emotions, that's going to help them make a decision.
0: Love it. Okay. Let's talk about act two. So in act one, we've satisfied the unconscious mind. Now we're moving into the conscious mind, which is the half, 50% 50% of the video, give us kind of the high level of what needs to go into this portion of the video ad.
1: Yeah, okay, cool, so there's two main pieces that needs to go into this part of the ad. And remember, we're kind of satiating the conscious brain, so the conscious brain is gonna be racking itself to say, okay, I want this thing, I don't know what it is just yet, <laughs> maybe the offer's been put into place already, but um, in act two, you're kind of thinking, right, well, okay, who is this person that's talking to me, or who is this brand that's talking to me? And how do I know that I can do what they're asking of me? How do I feel? Do I feel confident that I can do this? Like, show me how to do this. So you're going to think of two things, credibility of yourself and also some sort of action plan you have for people or a demonstration. So if it's a marketing offer of some sort, your credibility you want to build is such that you show them that you're the real deal. Like if you if they want to become recognized and things you kind of want to show them that you are recognized as the person it may be that you have a little bit of a backstory that takes a few seconds to talk about uh, it could be that you've got loads of accolades you've been given loads of awards you've been a, you've written a book you've spoken on stage all over the globe it's almost like they for like if you wax lyrical about yourself for five seconds it doesn't have to be long it's just enough for them to feel like okay cool i can trust you like it sounds like you know what you're talking about and yeah, it doesn't doesn't need to be long at all. And then the next thing you need to do is, is also show people that you have a plan. You have a a methodology or a roadmap or a blueprint or something on those lines where you could almost like print it out on a piece of paper and hold it up in the video to say, this is how it works. This is what we're going to be doing together. This action plan here. It's a three step plan, perhaps, or something. And what you're doing, basically is you're showing people that, like, this is a a proprietary system or method that you have that's works incredibly well to help you achieve your desire. And so your credibility and that action plan is really important. Now, if it's a physical product, like if you are selling, I don't know, a, a coffee maker, for example, then you want to do a demonstration of how it works. But not just a demonstration of let's say, oh, you put the cup here and then you press this button and it makes you a beautiful coffee job done. You want to pull be constantly reminding people of the desire. So when you make the coffee, you're now saying, okay, cool. So if you have a dinner party and you have multiple people around for coffee and for multiple people after dinner want coffee, here's how you do it and really impress them. Mm. So you press this button and then you've got multiple different types of coffee based on whatever ones they want. And then when you serve them, you're going to do like this technique and it's going to make it look amazing. And you take it over to the – and then like – you're showing the demonstration of taking the coffee back to the table and people being really impressed and saying, wow, this is an amazing party to be at. Uh, I and
0: love that. You're doing it in the context of the, of the desire, which is great, instead of just focusing exclusively on how the thing works, right?
1: Exactly. You want to try and constantly be reminding people that like, we do things in a way that you're happy with. So really what you want people to be saying in act two is saying, this is so cool. I'm getting to learn from an expert here in a simple and fun way, perhaps. That might be a good one for the, your marketing example, right. Or if you knew that like it was making coffee and the desire was having been like the, the cool house to go around to for dinner type thing, <laughs> like you're being like recognized as the, the person who does dinner parties ridiculously well, then it might be the sort of thing that's like, ah, that's cool. I get to use this coffee machine in a really simple and easy way. And, and people just l- love it sort of thing. And it's it's just like, oh, I can see how this is easy and simple, which is what I want. That's one of my values almost. I would like it done in a simple, easy way, but I get to really impress and get recognition, which is what I really want for the dinner party. And my status then increases because of this coffee machine. It's almost like the product to me is, I wouldn't say irrelevant, but it's almost like that's a very secondary concern when we're creating the ads. It's an
0: actor. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fascinating because I think so many people are probably creating uh, their ads starting with act two, and they're not even thinking about the fact that they're doing it. They're not demonstrating it in context of a desired outcome, which I think is really awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the call to action, the final act. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that's 30%. So tell us a little bit about, because most people think call to action is like five or 10 seconds. So talk to us a little bit about like what needs to be part of that to build that tension to make people to act.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so when when we've gone, done a lot of the work on the identity, like who you're going to become, we're also working on identity into a status group as well. To be like, uh, once you achieve that identity, this is a sort of group you'd be part of now. You've you've graduated into this type of audience. So, like as a marketing thing, it'd be like you have now become the recognised marketer for this company, or you've now become a speaker at conferences, or you've now become this new type of group you you kind of promoted into that new type of group and you and you carry around that status with you. you you get to have that that's that's who you are now and it means you behave in a certain way like we talked about but it also means you kind of share values and you and it's different levels of values and things based on the fact that you're in this new in group type thing so when we're aware of that in that status group what we're looking to do then is say okay we want to show people other people just like you who started in the in the position you're in right now and have now got this status, have now got this result and have got the desired emotions as well. So I'm kind of alluding to the fact that this is testimonials. That's kind of what we want, but we want them to be saying the right things in the testimonials. They've got to be just like the person who's watching the video so they can relate to them and say like, oh wow, people just like me are getting these great results, are also getting the feelings I want and are also in that status group that I want to be part of. And it makes them feel like that over there, that's where I want to be getting to. So that's really important that we kind of pull out a couple of sound bites from people where it shows that they've achieved the result by using this uh, method. And if we can get those people in this testimonials to say, oh, I found about, out about this company who had teaching me marketing. I saw that ad on YouTube. In fact, I clicked the link. I went and joined the webinar. and I learned this thing and I took us to my next presentation. I tell you what. I got such rave reviews as a result of just making these slight tweaks this person taught me. So if you get the testimonial to say the action that you want your customer to take, it does wonders. It's such a powerful moment because the testimonial is telling you what to go do to achieve the desired outcome, basically. So we're looking to kind of craft those testimonials in a way where it's obviously you can't kind of go and just solicit testimony and say you must say it like this you just want to hint to people like it'd be really handy if you could say like how you found out about us for example and what what that journey was like for you so you're kind of prompting them to say the things you kind of want them to say but obviously keeping it very truthful and then um so what you're doing is you're saying you're going to become this status group you're going to achieve that and this is where the tension comes in so what we're doing at the end of the video is yes we're calling to action and say go and do this thing go and sign up for this webinar put your name and e- email here and you're kind of an autopilot call to action is what I call it. So it's like just really simple, nothing out of the ordinary, keep them doing the same thing. But what we want to do is start alluding to the fact that now they've got this new identity and this new status, they've become a new person, they behave in a certain way that is aligned with the action you want them to take. So you're kind of saying to people, now that you're, I mean, this is like the very kind of you and I conversation, you wouldn't necessarily put it like this in the ad, but, um, you're basically kind of saying like, now that you're this level of person and you're this type of speaker, this is how we act. People like us do things like this. We sign up to things, we learn, we're always developing our skills because we know that's how we keep ahead. And that's what we do as speakers. That's kind of how we are able to behave. And while we're always, always at the top of our game. Now. I've said it very overtly there, but really what you're saying is you're kind of pulling on tension to say, well, are you gonna, who are you going to be at the end of this video? Are you going to be the person that doesn't sign up to things and doesn't take action and it's kind of your previous identity?
0: Yeah. And unfortunately struggles with this, that, and the other thing, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or are you going to be this type of person, like our testimonials, like all of our customers that we helped? Like you're kind of giving them a choice as to say, who do you want to be? Because you stand to lose a lot if you carry on where you're going, but you just have to gain so much if you decide to become part of our club, so to speak. And so by pulling on that tension, you're leaving people not just with a choice of, shall I sign up for this webinar or not? You're leaving them with a choice of, am I going to decide to be the person I want to be or not? And that's a much more difficult thing to say no to. You don't, It's very difficult to say, I'm going to decide to skip this ad because I don't want to have the desired feelings and that status that I've been promised. Like that's who I, I kind of consider myself, that's who I am anyway. And now I'm doing actions that are contradicting that if I decide to skip. And so you're kind of wanting to pull on that tension there at the end of the video. And then you can add in some further scarcity. We, we do like countdown timers at the end of the video to let, let people know that like, there's only five seconds left to this ad. Yeah, right. Now's the time to click. I love and that really does bump things up as well.
0: Holy cow, Tom. This has been like a complete masterclass. And I know everybody that's listening is like, wow, that was amazing. Um, And I bet you they're going to share with their team and they're going to listen to this again. Tom, if people want to go find out more about you, where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, okay. So the best place to go is to adbuyersclub.com forward slash SME. And if they go there, then we can kind of there's a lot of tools there. But one of the ones that I think is really helpful is kind of a YouTube ads master ad plan that helps you identify where your audience are on YouTube, how to get in front of them and what type of ads to put together and what you need to think about when advertising on the platform. And so it kind of really breaks it down for you and and helps you understand the best ways to get started on YouTube so you can get great profit and start scaling. And then you can really have a lot of fun with the platform as well.
0: Adbuyersclub.com slash SME. Was that correct? That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Tom Breeze, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and insight with us. We are better off as a result of it. Thank you so much, Mike. Cheers, buddy. Was that cool or was that cool? If you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 437. If you're new to the show, hit the subscribe button. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, to find out more.